Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. Good morning, everybody. All right, there we go. We got a few. We got a few. Okay. Everyone's doing all right today? Slipping and sliding on the way? All made it in one piece. Good, good. I don't see any uh, last-minute casts out there. Good, good stuff. Um, yeah, great to, great to see everybody out. Um, my name is Jake. I have the pleasure of being able to share with you guys today. You're tuning in on week number two of our Spiritual Gifts series. Um, I love this tagline. It says, given to be given. Um, so we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13 today. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, you're welcome to flip open to that. Otherwise, I will have the scriptures on the screen with me. Um, why don't I just pray just while we're just getting us started here. Um, Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to come in a country without persecution to be able to worship you openly, uh, read your word publicly, and, and, and most of all, God, we just thank you for the reality of Jesus and the reality of the kingdom of God, that we're not accidents, that we were created with a purpose intentionally, and we're created for more than I think any of us could even ever imagine. And we're just excited today, Father, to seek wherever we're at. If we're, if we're not sure that you're real, I thank you that you're, you're okay with that and you want to meet with us still. Or if we're absolutely in love with you, I think you're just as excited to meet with us. So we just pray, come Holy Spirit, and we just thank you for the opportunity this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you weren't Last week, we're starting off a series, I think it's a good kind of three months, and we just started a, a foundation last week. Aaron um, started his series by showing you these images, and really the heart behind why we're teaching about spiritual gifts is shown in these images. What I'm showing you is Almont and Carlton Place, and what we mean by that is that the heart behind us learning about spiritual gifts is not so that we can have an intellectual lesson or an understanding so that we can kind of answer correctly all the gifts on a sheet, but really, we want to allow God to be in and through us all that He wants to be. And what that means is it affects our town around us. We, we, have, we have a mission together here as a church. God wants to love people. He wants to reach people. And a lot of you who are Christians in the room have met, met God and met a love that's changed you forever, and the reality is that God wants to reach others through us. And as we learn to understand our gifts, as we know what they are for the first time maybe, or we get more comfortable in using those gifts, um, we get to love people more fully the way that God wants to in and through us. Does that make sense? So we, we, want, we want this to be something that's equipping us that we actually use in our everyday lives. We don't want to just let it be a lesson. Forgive me, I'm just kind of tipping here. Um, and Aaron described two major challenges that are facing the church in our context and time, and um, he illustrated them as these gorillas here, and um, those are big words. I had to Google them myself, but here, here's the point. Here's two kind of broad categories of challenge that the church and the Christian faith is facing today. The first one on the left is called social progressivism, which essentially the criticism from people in, in that camp or, or a struggle from that um, train of thought would be seeing the Bible as bigoted, the, the, the social values, the way that we're progressing in society, the way we understand sexuality and identity and, and all of these things, people would look at the Bible and say, this is from a way different time before we had these values and the Bible is just something that's bigoted. How could I trust that God is good or God is love when I see these things in the Bible? And they have serious questions about that. And those are legitimate. I'm not saying that those are bad things. Asking questions is very important. 
The second category, the second major question or challenge up here is called atheistic materialism, which in layman's terms is just you don't believe that there's anything spiritual. You don't believe that there's anything God out there. All there is is what's material. It's something I can observe and prove with science. How can you prove to me that there's a spirit realm and God is real? I, 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 just, I only believe in what I can see and observe and prove correct. And a criticism or a struggle from that side of things might be things like this, like, how could you trust the Bible when it has things like Noah's Ark in it? How could that have ever been physically possible? That's scientifically impossible. Or are you really telling me that everybody descended from Adam and Eve and they lived to be 900 years old? Like, people would view this, and, and I was, you know, a lot of you in public school system would experience this being taught to you as well, that this was just from a time, the Bible and Christian faith is just from a time when they didn't understand how things worked. You know, it was kind of like how they thought that thunder was the gods being angry. You know, it's just how we understood things before we had science. You know, and that would be the criticism of this atheistic materialism. And our heart behind understanding spiritual gifts is really that for us as a church to be something more than a social club or to actually answer these questions that are in people's hearts is that we need the Holy Spirit in and through us. That's we need the Holy Spirit's wisdom to answer questions. We need the Holy Spirit in and through us to show people that God is actually real. It's really interesting when you start to look at Jesus' life, how he went around and ministered. Sometimes he would go and he would teach first. He would uh, teach to a crowd and then pray, and, and they would see miraculous signs, and they would say, wow, okay, God's real. Sometimes he would go and he would pray before he taught, and they would say, okay, there's something here that I need to pay attention to because I don't know how he did that. And then he would have a door to open and to people would say, okay, there's something here that I need to see. And similarly for us, we need the Holy Spirit's empowering to be able to answer questions and to show that this is actually something real, whether that's um, in a display of power or empowering us to serve, whatever that looks like, we need him. So to answer these questions, we need to understand our spiritual gifts. And I mentioned that I'm going to be taking you through 1 Corinthians 12, and um, I, I love the Bible. I'm going to just jump to the first verse here. I'm going to I'm going to basically take us through a crash course because Paul is giving this church in the Bible a crash course. If you're unsure of this, uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, 1 Corinthians 12 is a, a letter to this church in Corinth. And you can see right here, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And he's about to give them basically the fundamentals. He doesn't want them to be uninformed about this stuff. He's going to give them some basics. And I'm going to take us through some important lessons of basics about spiritual gifts that Paul gives to this church. I love that the Bible has that kind of thing because to be honest with you, I think uninformed is a really good word for a lot of us in our Christian culture today. You know, if I can be more blunt about it, sometimes we, we hear of churches that are, that are charismatic or that are very comfortable with the Holy Spirit, and we, you know, sometimes they're kind of the weird ones that we're not really sure what's going on over there, and we hear some crazy stories, and it's like, okay, I'm not sure if I buy that, but then some of us are from churches where we don't actually talk about the Holy Spirit ever, and um, he's kind of the crazy uncle, you know, and, and we don't bring him up, but what about these verses in the Bible? Why don't we read these, right? And you kind of end up in this place where it's like, okay, that's a little weird, but why aren't we talking about it? You know, and you end up in this place where you're uninformed. I think that, I mean, that's certainly been me at certain points in my life as well. Um, so I felt challenged by the Bible actually saying, I don't want you to be uninformed about spiritual gifts, like, that's actually Scripture is saying, is that God wants us to understand these things. God wants us, this isn't just for the weirdos or something, you know, this isn't just for the, the people that, anyway, uh, I think you get my heart here, and I was challenged by that, that God wants us to understand this. 
So let's, go, let's start going through this crash course. I'm going to jump a few verses ahead. Here's how Paul's teaching this church about spiritual gifts. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So my first point is this, is that to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Now that's, now that's everybody who would be a born-again Christian. If you are a Christian, you have a spiritual gift, at least one, period. You, 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 you have been given the manifestation of the Spirit to each, to every single one. What it means to be a Christian, if I can just back up for a second, because I always want this to be accessible, even if you're on day one. Um, Jesus described being born again, or what it means to be a Christian, like being born again spiritually. So we're all human beings, and we need to be born again in a new spiritual life. And um, this is a bit of a mystery, but Jesus describes that in John 14 by saying that he and the Father will, will come and make their home in us, that, that God actually lives in us when you receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and you're born again. You're, 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 you're filled with the Holy Spirit and God lives in and through you. And that's why it's kind of cool. It's who's manifesting himself in us is actually God. God's living in and through us. Jesus and the Father have, have a connection to us. They live in us and want to show themselves to the world around us. So each of us are given a manifestation of the Spirit in some way or another, okay? I love um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says that we're ambassadors for God and, and that God is making his appeal through us. So if you are a Christian, you have this in you and God's looking to actually show himself through you to other people. He's making an appeal to the world around us through us. This is why we journey to look more like Jesus. This is why we're, we're learning and growing is we want to we want to look more like him and show the world this, this God's real and he's good. He loves you. We want people to see that truth. Now, the second point I want to pull from this in our crash course here is that the manifestation of the spirit is for the common good. Now, that's really interesting. Um, especially, and, and, and I want to say this sensitively because I really resonate that some of us have an uncomfortability with this topic and um, you know, we, we just kind of want to park the conversation because it's uncomfortable for us. We don't want to be weird, and, and we park the conversation. But I was challenged by this idea that the gifts God gives me are not just for me. Does that make sense? They're, they're actually in me for the common good. I, I love the tagline that, that Aaron threw up here. It's that our gifts are given to be given. So the conversation between me and God is I'm learning to understand, okay, what's a spiritual gift and what are mine? The conversation isn't just God. I don't, do I feel like doing this? Do I feel like experiencing or receiving spiritual gifts today? It's bigger than just a you and God kind of conversation. They've been given in you for the common good. There's a bigger picture at work with why God has gifted you the way that he's gifted you. That's really important for us to understand. All right, let's keep going on my crash course here. He says a few verses later, all of these, in other words, all of these gifts in the context, they are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So I've already explained to you that each of you have a gift, and the good or bad news, depending on how you feel about this, is that he decides which ones you get. He apportions to each one individually as he wills. And we'll get into that more because sometimes we like that idea and sometimes we're really frustrated that we don't have a different gift. <laughs> Does that make sense? But I think there's a call here to trust that God understands and sees a lot more than we do, and that if he's giving us these gifts as he desires, we need to trust his desire. We need to trust his plan and how he's designed and made each of us. But that's important for us to understand is it's not just, uh, you know, grocery shopping for whichever one you want today, or does that make sense? He, he, he's going to empower you the way he chooses to. Now, 
We're getting into one of my favorite parts here. This is a really famous analogy. I'm taking a verse from verse 11 and then 16 and 17. Um, each of us in the room are different, yes? We're all unique, yes? Someone say it. Thank you. Okay, each of us have been made, we're all unique, yet, some, uh, yet all in the image of God, and God has called us to be in community, and how he describes this community, this, in other words, the church, is he describes it as the body of Christ. So we're all interconnected and need each other, and all unique. So in other words, some of us might be an eye or an ear, metaphorically. Some of us may be just as much a part of the body of Christ, but look differently. That's, that's our uniqueness. And I think, to be honest with you, the human body may not have enough unique features to describe the different facets of God. Because even in this room, there's maybe a hundred of us that are all different, but you know what I'm trying to get at? But that's a helpful analogy for us. We're all a part of the body, yet unique. And that's, so he says, for just as the body is one and has many members, so it is with Christ. Now, this is important. Because of our uniqueness, we sometimes run into problems. Here's how he describes it in his metaphor. He says, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? So if, you're, if you and your uniqueness, if you're an ear, but you're like, well, I'm not an eye, so I guess, I mean, I guess I'm, you know, you're kind of looking, you know how we as humans do that comparing thing, right? So you're looking at yourself and you're trying to find who am I, what are my gifts, um, and you're looking at someone else and you're saying, well, I don't look like that, I wonder if I'm real. But the truth is, is that you and your uniqueness, uh, you're a part of the body, no matter how it looks. We just finished showing you earlier in this passage that all of us have a spiritual gift. All of us are a part of the body in some way, shape, or form. And if it doesn't look like someone else, I, I want to encourage you as best you're able, don't look to compare yourself to other people to find who you are. Start the conversation by saying, God, what are my gifts? How do you want to use me? Uh, go to the source himself because you're too unique to try and fit yourself in another mold. Does that make sense? That's, that's the wrong place to find yourself. And it's really important to understand this. I want to, I want to touch on some things that I see happen and, and, and have happened in my life too that... Um, there is no part of the body here that's lesser than. Every part has its function. So you may, you may be frustrated with um, or, or discouraged by, you know, I, how could I be of any use to anything? And uh, how could I be used by God in the church? Or how could I be a part of God's kingdom coming? How could, how could that be me? But the truth is, is that you're no less valuable. You do have a gift. God does live in you if you've given your life to him. And, and um, <laughs> God's good at what he designs. He hasn't made any part of the body that's useless. You're important. So don't compare yourself and, and feel discouraged that you're not something that you feel like is better. And I want, you, I want to say this too. The flip side is better. If you think that you're better because of your gift, if you think that you're better than other people in the body of Christ, if you are kind of on a pedestal, and it's dangerous for people like me who sometimes get microphones, you know what I'm trying to say? You get that thing where it's like, well, I have the microphone, and, but I am no different, and, and, and nobody is any better because of how God is using us. Does that make sense? It, it's important for us. We need, to, we need to recognize that, that no matter how you're being used, you're just as important to Christ. We need to be humble about that. That's really important. Now, I'm making a bigger leap here, and I'm going to the end of chapter 12 because we're going to we're about to segue into the most important part, I think, of this whole conversation and maybe the, even the whole sermon series. But before I do that, right in the beginning of verse 31, he says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. So right before that, he's describing, well, are all of us apostles? Are we all prophets? He's saying, well, no, but it's actually a good thing for us to earnestly desire those higher gifts. 
Now, hopefully you've caught me. If you, if, if, hopefully you've noticed something here if you've been following with me. Well, Jake, I thought you said that he apportioned to each one as he desired. Why would I, aren't I going against God if I'm desiring something that he hasn't given me? And the honest answer is, um, I think it's somehow both. <laughs> God, does, God chooses how he empowers you, yet at the same time, it's good for us to ask and say, God, I want, would you give me prophecy? Would you give me a gift to heal? Would you help me get better? Would you give me a gift to teach? It's, it's important and a good thing for us to ask for those. Yet at the same time, we need to respect that if he chooses to empower us one way, he knows best. Does that make sense? It's really okay for us to ask for these things, but also trust him. Don't let it get frustrated. Now, he describes these things called higher gifts. He refers to apostleship or gifts of performing miracles or, or healing. And he says, I will still show you, or I will show you a still more excellent way. And I said that this might be the most important part of today and even this whole sermon series is that you catch this next thing. Let's continue reading in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, in other words, if you have the gift of tongues, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Some of you may have heard that. Who's ever heard that read at a wedding? <laughs> right? Right? This was interesting to me. I, I had read this before, but you may not have known that this was actually this passage that we read about love, that we read at weddings. The context is actually about spiritual gifts. What he's teaching on, what he's talking about is about the gifting of the Holy Spirit. He's saying right before this, earnestly desire these higher gifts, but this is the more excellent way. That even if you have all of those higher gifts, and not even just a lot of it, but if you have all of it, did you hear him say that? If I have if I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, not just a lot, but all, but I have not love, I am nothing. In other words, it's good for us to desire those higher things, but don't miss the most important thing. If you're going to be empowered and you're asking God for, for more of him, those are good things to do. But if you're not grounded, if your motive, if, if, you're, if your reason is not love, you're going to miss all of it. And in fact, it's a little bit risky. It's quite dangerous to start to have power but have a wrong motive. That, that gets weird. You know, I, to, to be totally vulnerable with you guys, I, um, there was a time in my life when the Holy Spirit wasn't something that was, um, I don't know, talked about a lot, or I, was, I didn't understand it when I was early on in my Christian journey. And um, I started to wake up to the fact that not only God wanted to speak to me and that the Holy Spirit and these giftings were actually real things. There's videos on YouTube of people being healed, and I'm like, wow, you know, and you keep watching YouTube, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe God actually still does this today. And, and to be honest with you, there was, it kind of gave me this motivation of, well, I, I want to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> I want to pray and see people healed. That's awesome. But, but here's where it gets weird is now all of a sudden I'm praying for somebody, but who am I thinking about? Right? I'm praying for somebody, but my motive is to have power. My motive is I, I want to be the guy that sees people healed. I want to be the healer. You know what I mean? 
am I caring about that person when I'm praying for them but thinking about me? That's a problem. And that was real in my life. I, I, I was asking for the power, but I, didn't, I wasn't grounded in love. You pray for healing because the person's hurt, and you, <laughs> and you, want, you want that to change because you care about them, and you recognize that God loves them, and he wants to change that, and that's, that's why Jesus always did it. Jesus went out of his way to try and not get credit. He just wanted to help somebody. You remember that in Jesus' life? You would go heal somebody, and he's like, don't tell anybody. Like, just, I just wanted to help you, and then it always backfired. Jesus always got credit, but it's another story. If we, if we miss this, I think we've missed it all. We need to, we need to actually start. I think we're, we're kicking off this series. I'm hoping that I've given you good food for thought today. And um, if this is new for you, please read 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 because it's, it's an amazing crash course in, in spiritual gifts. I love in 14, actually, where Paul goes from this. I, don't, I didn't have time to unpack it all today, but I'm just going to mention this. In 1 Corinthians 14, after he's talked about love and about this character that's the most important thing, he challenges this church because when you understand it, this church is actually functioning in spiritual gifts all the time. And what was happening was a lot of people had the gift of tongues. And they would come to a church service and they would, they would share a word in tongues. But it started to be a lot and nobody was interpreting what was being said. So Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians 14, he's like, guys, like, people are just going to think you're crazy. Like, if you all come and you just, like, speak in a language that no one understands, and no one explains what's happening, and no one interprets what's being said in another language, like, people are going to come in and just be like, what is going on here? And, and th- this is the challenge. He's, he's saying that we need to have the character, the love in our hearts to say, to actually be explaining what's happening, to be, rec- to be cognizant that there's people in the room that may not know what's going on. <laughs> Does that make sense? And there was an important lesson for me, if I can just add this to my crash course, is that um, it's actually biblical to feel that God wants to say something through you, but to still ask the question, okay, God, how and when should I do this? Because I've been guilty of this in the past too, that I, I do have personally have the gift of tongues, and sometimes when I would feel like I want to pray that way, I, you know, you'd kind of be like, okay, I guess I got to fire it away, but But biblically, Paul actually says, if there's no one there to interpret it, don't do it. It's just going to, you know what I mean? Like, it's just going to be something that people don't understand, and it's going to weird people out. So there's a place for us in our gifting to recognize God uh, is is wanting me to do something, but still ask the question, okay, God, how and when? You know, keep wrestling, be cognizant and love the people in the room enough to ask that question. You don't always just kind of, you know, and (laughs) let her rip, you know? Um... So I hope you guys are hearing me, and I hope that you, you recognize, and I hope that we take this um, seriously and personally, that throughout the rest of the series, we're going to talk about what are these giftings. We're going to have specific messages on specific ones and, and, and go through that whole journey. And I, I really want to encourage you that, especially if you're somebody that this is new to, you're so welcome here, even if, if this really weirds you out or something, we're, we're, we're trying to be cognizant of that. But start to ask this question with God, God, what are my gifts? What, how do you want to use me in my life? If you're in me and you want to live through me for something bigger than myself, help me to understand that. Start to ask those questions. That's really important. I encourage you to do that. And, and the question that I want us to ask today is actually um, not God, just fill me with your Holy Spirit, but God, fill me with love. And in fact, not just fill me as if it's something that, you know, you kind of have or don't have in the moment, but make me become love. We talked last week about how Jesus walked not just in the fullness of his godness, but he actually was walking in a way that we were meant to emulate and follow. 
We're meant to be his followers. And that's amazing. That's where we started. But this week, we need to also understand that um, we're meant to emulate Jesus' life, but if we want to walk in the power that Jesus knew, we need to have the character that Jesus had. We need to have the motives that Jesus had as he used that power. Jesus taught that if, if you're faithful with small things, you'll be entrusted with bigger things. And I think that applies in this conversation. Let's, let's use a metaphor or an example here. Um, there's a lot of parents. How many, how many parents are in the room? I'm kind of curious. Who's a parent? It's a lot of us. So when you're raising, a, I, I'm not a parent, by the way. <laughs> Um, I was raising my hand, but still single. Um, uh, um, when, you're, when you're raising a kid, I mean, you don't, there, there's certain things that you can't trust them with until they are bigger. Is, is, I mean, this is, tell me, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not a parent. But you don't give your two-year-old a machete. Am I right about that? Okay. Okay. Passed the course so far. <laughs> now, now, when he's older, you might, you might very well give him a sharp object. You might very well give him a machete, you know. But when he's two, you probably aren't going to give him a machete. Are you following my really deep analogy here? <laughs> God is the same way. As we're able with our character, I think God can entrust us with more. And, and, and we need to start there. We need to recognize that the more that we become love, the more that we're able to be trusted with. Is that fair? Not if you're with me. Not if you're with me. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. So... There's going to be opportunity for us to pray. Is that wrong? 11.36? How long have I been talking? Am I, is my clock wrong? Sorry. Yeah, that's right. Um, now, instead of asking, uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunity in this series to be asking for the Holy Spirit to fill us. And, and, and what I wanted us to do today was to actually ask for God to make us to become love. In 1 Peter, he says the goal of our instruction is, is, to be, is love. And it's actually a transformative thing. I was trying to get that earlier, that it's not just something you have or don't in the moment, but it's a transformation of who you are. So what I want to do, do today is, is close by, by asking God, would you fill us and, and transform us to make us become love? It's, it's what's going to mature us. It's something that we need for our mission. I started this morning with um, this image of Carlton Place in Almont, and let's, let's keep that in mind as we're going through this series and thinking about this stuff that... Um, God wants to equip us with these gifts for the sake of others. And the truth is, is that as we grow in character, it's going to validate our gifting. Let me say that again. As we grow in character, it's going to validate our gifting. If, if somebody sees God do something amazing through you, or how did you, you know, maybe you have the gift of leadership. How, do you, how are you doing that? It seems like there's, how do you do what you do, right? And God's empowering that person. If, if they see that in you, but then they see uh, moral failure or, or a character flaw. Otherwise, it leaves them a little confused. Does that make sense? But when, you have, when, you, when your whole motivation for living is love, it validates your gifting and it points to Jesus the best way. Because you're shining through him, not just in the moments where he empowers you, but in all that you do. Does that make sense? So I'd love to, uh, I'd, I'd love if you would stand with me. I'd, I'd love to pray. Apparently, I went really fast today, but... Um, we'll just, I mean, we've got a little bit more space to just see what the Lord wants to do. And I want to I want, to, I want us to all, I think this isn't just for some of us. Uh, hopefully, even if you're not a Christian, you can say, well, I mean, I want to become, I think love is a good motive. I can at least pray for that, whatever that means. And um, let's, let's just do that. Let's just pray and ask the Lord to, to change our character. God, you say that love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. 
It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Father, help us to put our name in that verse. Help us to get to that place where we're saying that I, like, I am kind, and I do not envy or boast. I'm not arrogant or rude. All of these things, Lord, help us to, help us to look more like you 24-7, not just in moments where you empower us by your Spirit. Help us to desire character first. Would you genuinely, Holy Spirit, in this room today, create in us a resolve to say, I, want, I, I don't want power if I don't have character. Create in us a resolve to say, I want my motives to be pure, God, as you use me and live through me in my life. Don't give me, in fact, let us actually get to that place where we say, God, don't give me something I can't be trusted with. Help me to, help me to have a good motive so that when, I, when you empower me the way you want to empower me, I'm ready to, to do that and represent you well and have a clean motive. I pray that you'd come and you'd lay that foundation in each of us today, Father, that we would make love the highest and most important thing. And God, we choose to pray for our town, that we recognize that you're calling us your ambassadors. Elsewhere, you call us living letters, like you make us this letter from us to the world. Would you, would you write on us today? Would you make us love for the sake of our coworkers, for the sake of our family members that need to know they matter and that God is real? For the sake of anyone we encounter, would you empower us in love for the sake of our town? Help us to lock arms in this mission as a family. May nobody, wait, <laughs> may nobody leave here today without recognizing that you are in them and you are able. You have gifted each of us. We have a part to play. Whether we see it or not, I thank you that that is the truth. Would you please help us to see and understand that, Father? Thank you for who you are. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.